Black Velvet Fairies is a fantasy supernatural thriller podcast from the makers of The Blair Witch Project and one of the producers of Lord of the Rings. The podcast tells the story of a woman whose grandmother leaves her black velvet paintings of fairies. But not twinkly little sprites. These are grim warriors, kings and queens. As she investigates her family's history with the artwork, disturbing dreams and unexplained encounters pull her toward a dark and dangerous fairy world that some believe is real. Episodes drop on Tuesdays wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Fangirls Podcast, where two sisters dive deep into beloved fantasy lore, characters, themes, theories, and more. Ah, today's the day. Thank you for joining us for our last episode of Iron Flame, at least until the lead up to book three, where we're so excited to go through Violet's second signet possibilities. What a journey this has been with the Empyrean series, the very first book series that really launched this podcast into the sky. We had eight Fourth Wing Deep Dive episodes, 13 Iron Flame deep dive episodes, and then we had another six Empyrean-related bonus episodes for a total of, Nicole, wait for it, and this is not including this episode, more than 50 hours of podcast content specifically for Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. That is stupid. (laughs) Somebody could literally listen to us for two straight days. Done. <laughs> but don't worry, you don't have to listen to all of that to enjoy today's episode. Maybe this is your first time tuning into Fantasy Fangirls, in which case we're thrilled for you to join the party. Or hey, maybe you've been with us on the deep dive journey since the early days. Shout out to you, OG fans. Whatever the case may be, we really appreciate you being here as we officially wrap up our Iron Flame coverage and maybe get a little teary eyed here at the end. <laughs> but before we begin all of that here today, please listen closely to our content warning. Most importantly, we have spoilers for all of Iron Flame, Fourth Wing, and anything else that Rebecca Yaros has said. It is all on the table. 50 hours we have parsed through every single line of Empyrean so that we could get here today. Everything is on the table, friends. And then, of course, this podcast is rated R. We, a fantasy fangirls, are adults who say adult things with adult words about an adult book. We will be revisiting the throne scene again multiple times today because once was not enough. So please be mindful of little listening ears. And last thing before we jump into our Violet Second Signet episode. If you love fantasy fangirls and you want to support us in making this dream our livelihood, if you want more content, more community connection, discounts on merch, early access to ad-free episodes, and more please check out our Patreon. We have two membership tiers, and for the last time, Lexi, they are called Cadets and Dragon Riders, but come this Wednesday, February 21st, they will be called something different in honor of our Akatar journey beginning. <laughs> I'm so excited. Go to patreon.com slash fantasy fangirls or click the link in our show notes or YouTube captions to join the Patreon party. And really and truly, thank you so much for helping us bring these episodes to you. And now it is time to put on our research hats, our Papa Sorengale research hats, if you will, <laughs> lay yes! it all out on the table and figure out 
what is Violet's second signet? Let's start with a quick heads up of how this is going to work today. We've been listening on social media, seeing your emails, DMs, comments, story answers. We've obviously deep dived the book for 50 hours, and we've gone down many, many, many rabbit holes to learn about as many second signet possibilities and all the different perspectives that come with them as we can. We've compiled quite a long list here today of the most prominent possibilities, and we'll be going through them. For most of these, we will briefly discuss number one, what the signet is, number two, the supporting evidence for said signet, and number three, our personal thoughts on the theory. Then at the very end, we will announce our own top three picks for Violet's second signet. Before we start listing all of these possibilities off, let's all make sure that we're on the same page here. We know that signets manifest based on who the writer is at their core and what they need most. So let's list off who we know Violet is at her core and what she needs most. Number one, she is someone who needs information and full disclosure. Facts, answers, and truth, that's what keeps her centered. Number two, she has the mind of a scribe and the heart of a writer. She's the best of both worlds. Number three, our girl Violet protects those around her and always puts their needs and survival over her own. And number four, she desperately wants peace and safety for those that she loves. So we'll be referring back to these needs as we go through these signet possibilities, but wanted to just kind of put that all out there for now. We also know that that Rebecca Yaros has confirmed the second signet is in Iron Flame. She said in a Variety article, quote, every single hint you would need to know what her second signet is, is in Iron Flame. It's manifested. Read it again, then call me. All right, Rebecca, we're reading it again, and then you better answer your phone when we call you. It is actually really funny for all of us readers because she has separately said that it is, is kind of supposed to be obvious, and she thinks that a lot of the readers will pick up on it, and yet here we all are with so many different possibilities. Yes, there are some that are more popular than other ones, but like I can almost just hear her cackling in the background, like with love, of course, and it's all in good fun, but oh my gosh, she is fucking with us, you all, I and I love her for it. it. Anyway, it gives us something to talk about for 50 hours. I'll say that. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even pretend that if I wasn't in her shoes, I would be doing the same thing. Like, oh my I god, I would have so much thing. fun doing that. We also know, lastly, that dragon names have often a clue of a signet. Not always, but a good, I'd say 90% of the time. We know that Andarna's name is the second honor in Gallic. We also know that Andarna is a very rare breed of dragon. Like, one of her kind, we think, maybe, possibly. Listen to 50 hours of us deep diving these books to figure that out. Which, because Andarna is so rare, this might be another major indicator of the level of rarity and power of Violet's signet. I think we can all agree that this is not going to be just like ice wielding. This is going to be a very special rare signet of Violet's. So without further ado, let's dive into the 20 plus signets that we have to go through today, but we're going to kick it off with arguably the most popular signet possibility for Violet, which is amplification. Let's start off with what is this signet? Much like you hear in the name of this signet, this is the ability to amplify others' signets and or magics. This means not only would Violet be able to give people a power-up boost, but it would also extend slash amplify magical abilities like runes and flyers' gifts. There's also a lot of moments in the book that do support this as a signet, but just to name a few, number one, in Corden, when Mira, Brennan, and Violet are all fighting 
the Venon. Mira, who should not be able to create her own wards outside of the wards of Navarre, is able to under this extreme distress. Or was it Violet amplifying her signet ability? Also, Rhiannon summons a dagger through the wall for the first time. We knew that she would be able to eventually, but the first time that she does it, it is within the vicinity of Violet. Also in Rune's class, when Violet reaches for Indarna's power, there's this huge big explosion, which we can maybe see as a amplification possibility. Riddick also in the very end battle puts up a wall of ice when Bade tries to torch them all due to Jack fucking Barlow's control over Bade. Good job, Jack. And Riddick basically puts up this wall of ice to defend everyone, which is pretty intense for an ice wielder, let alone a second year ice wielder. However, the big asterisk when it comes to amplification is that this might not be in Darna's power at all. And in fact, it actually might be an extension of Violet's pure power signet that she gets from Tarn. What are your thoughts, Lexi? This feels like the most consistent second signet possibility that we see throughout the book. It also really does cater to one of the things that Violet needs, which is to protect her loved ones. She is a giver. We learned this about her character when she took off her boot way back when in like the early chapters of Fourth Wing when she switched her boot with Rhi to give her a better chance on the parapet. And just having a giving signet would be very, very fitting for her. The only reason I'm not crazy about this as Violet's second signet is that I really want the instances where we may have seen her amplification, all of those that you listed off there, I want them to be coming from the original wielder. Rhi's been practicing and hoping to summon through walls, and now she can. That would dampen her abilities if it turned out to be just Violet making it happen for her. Same thing with Mira and Riddick and all the other instances. In a moment of distress, Mira saved her brother and sister's lives by creating the wards, and I want that to be all on Mira. I want that to be Mira's accomplishment. In a little while here, we are going to get to another variation of amplification that I'm really leaning a little bit more towards than this, I'll call it more straightforward signet here. I agree with you on so many fronts for this. I do think that this is the front runner second signet for many for a good reason. It is, like you said, it is the most consistent in the book. You can probably, and I think actually we can point to the most amount of possibilities from amplification being a second signet in Iron Flame. But we also don't have confirmation from Rebecca Yaros that it showed up multiple times in the book. She just says it's on the page. So we don't know if it's on the pages or just on the page. (laughs) I do think that I love this idea of this being a second signet. We, at the very beginning, mentioned, you know, who Violet is at her core. What does she need? She is someone who needs to be able to help other people. She's always a giver. Like you mentioned, the boot is a perfect example. It would also be very poetic that Violet gave her boot up to Rhi, and the first time that she has this amplification signet, it is with Rhiannon. It would, that would be very poetic. This doesn't really tick off the mind of a scribe, however. It feels another instance of power, just in a very different way of like, boom, lightning. So I do think it has a nice checks and balances with the boom lightning. And like, this is all about like, you know, giving to other people as opposed to destructive. Maybe Rebecca Yaros has just fucked with my head so much. I'm like, is this too easy? Like, is this too easy? (laughs) All in all, yes, I do think that this is a front runner for a major reason. But I do think that there might be a little more to it, which is why I'm excited for your expansion on it later. The next popular second signet theory that we have to cover, of course, is that Violet can communicate with the dead. This is where Violet can call back people who have died. Note that this is not bringing them back to life, but she can still see them and speak to them in corporeal form. The best comparison that I can think of for this is think about the resurrection stone from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, how they were real to him, but they weren't like 
solid and like actually back to life, of course, there. The obvious reason for this to be her second signet is that Liam shows up when Violet is getting interrogated at the end of part one. He's a comfort to her during a time of great need and signets tend to manifest during intense moments. And this would have been quite the time for her second signet to manifest. But with this to say, when Violet saw Liam, she had taken an anti-magic serum that was supposed to block all of her power. So the real question is, could she have wielded her second signet during this time? It's always possible. There could have been a loophole with the serum and Andarna's powers maybe were different and not affected in the same way as Terrence and other dragons because it would be huge if Violet could talk to the dead. This would have such exciting implications like learning important info about how to heal Zayden and fight the Venom, serving as a unique and different form of time travel, which is related to the previous gift she had from Andarna. This is just a fantastic reflection of her scribe mind in a very unique way that we might not have originally thought of. I originally was pretty against the second signet idea. If you remember when we discussed the theory at length back at the end of part one, because I felt and still do that her second signet manifests after Andarna wakes up from her dreamless sleep and Violet was under the serum's influence, it had a blanket over her magic. Can it be explained away though? Yes, but I am someone who likes the rules of lore and the rules of magic and this would be a little frustrating for me to have that loophole there. If there is a logical workaround with the serum, this is my front runner for her second signet because it embodies Violet's scribe nature so perfectly and it's not like just a super straightforward signet either about how it reflects that as well as Andarna's time travel too. So like you were saying, Nicole, Rebecca has said it's right on the page and this is quite literally right on the page. But that's when we start to second guess it because of the serum and that is a very Rebecca thing to do where it's like, okay, it is obvious, but then there's this caveat here. So you kind of got to think around it. Here's one thing I will say in regards to Rebecca Yara. She was in an interview with Entertainment Weekly and they were asking her about the Liam moment and she said, you know, she selfishly just wanted to see Liam again and all this kind of stuff. And then they asked, well, does this have any implications with Violet's second signet? And Rebecca Yara said, quote, mm, pass. <laughs> so we don't know is basically the crux of it. This is my favorite option. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pick favorites here. This is my favorite option for Violet, mainly because I see this having the biggest impact on our story and leaning into her mind of a scribe, that need for information. Also, in Darna, second honor, someone's second chance of talking to someone coming back yes. to life. I don't know. I could see, I could totally see that there. Yes. The obvious hiccup here that is keeping it from just being like, Meese dying on this hill of, yes, this is her second signet, is the signet blocking serum. However, when she was on this version of the signet blocking serum, she says that her connection to Taren is blocked. She never mentions Andarna. But in Landnav, when she is on the serum previously, she does mention her connection to Taren and Andarna is muffled. Although she mentions that she doesn't try talking to Andarna because she's still sleeping and she doesn't want to wake her up. So maybe yep. if she did try talking to Andarna, she would would have been able to because the only time that she's on the serum and she mentions being blocked from Andarna, she mentions that she doesn't even try to talk to her. I feel like that's there for a reason. <laughs> also, Andarna was in her dreamless sleep though. And Lexi and I are both of the same mind that we do believe that 
it would have shown up when Andarna was awake in part two. So the evidence against it is unfortunately very stacked. But Andarna is a seventh breed of dragon, and we already know that she's able to roast venom with her fire when the other dragon dens are not able to do that. So maybe the normal rule of dragon physics, dragon blocks, dragon restrictions doesn't apply to her. When I was thinking of possibilities for where the story is going, though, this signet is the one that excites me the most. Yep. That doesn't mean, however, I think it's the most plausible. Unfrickin' fortunately. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be on a hill. I want to be on a hill that I am flag stuck in, willing to die on, but unfortunately that's not the case. But I think this is the closest I am to being the most excited about one of the second signets. I'm right there with you. And I don't think either of us have a hill that we're willing to die on for the second signet, especially not like you are with the intrinsic second. Oh, I would have eaten. The only <laughs> I, hill that I'm really willing to die on after reading Iron Flame is all about Papa Sorengale's research, which I'm oh, not going to get into right now because we're not talking about that. But oh my gosh, like I will gladly die on that hill. If you have a bingo card, you can check off Papa Sorengale's <laughs> research. <laughs> Now, somewhat related to communication with the dead, there is the signet theory that Violet can call upon the gods, specifically Malak, the god of death. The idea here is that Violet's signet creates a connection to them. We see her regularly talk to Malak like she does have a direct connection to him. And sometimes it's in italics, ah, Nicole, or italics, when she speaks to him, which readers are always on high alert for, <clears throat> Nicole, <clears throat> the evidence shows that Malak sent Liam to comfort her when she really needed him. He listens to her and doesn't take her friends from her. Like when Violet is screaming that Malik can't have Sawyer when she's trying to save him, and sure enough, all four of them make it out alive from the battle, which honestly kind of surprised me. I find this possible signet fascinating, though I am leaning towards the gods being more world-building devices versus plot devices in this book series. With that said, however, I could see there being something to it with the way that, you know, how they burn your belongings as an offering to Malak, and this could like merge the communication with the dead signet idea because we know that they didn't burn all of Liam's belongings, like his Andarina figurine or his letters to Sloan. So maybe because there was like this tether to life, Malik could bring Liam back and other characters with similar tethers to life throughout the remaining belongings are able to communicate with Violet through Malik almost like allowing it to happen, if that makes any sense whatsoever. You just blew my mind. Hold on. I need to like pick it up the ground. I need to pick it off the ground. <laughs> I was going to say, did you freeze there? <laughs> I, no, I, I, my brain froze. I love this idea that I didn't even think about it with like the belongings and not being burned. I love this idea that if your belongings aren't burnt, then there is a easier way to communicate with them. I do think that that would even be more supporting evidence for the previous second signet. Yep. I see it more being connected to that. But like imagine what that would mean for Lyra and Warwick who have journals that are not burned. That would be them coming back to life. I mean, Lilith, Papa Sorengale has research still out there. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it already. He would be able to come back to life in that way. I love this idea. When it comes to the talking to the gods specifically being tied to her second signet, I agree with you on it feels more like a world building tactic than it does with a second signet nudge. I know I'm going against my italics high horse. If you've been with us for a while, you know that I am all about the italics. But I do think that this is more, you know, how we in modern day, we say, oh, God, spare me or oh, my God. It feels like a casual way of just like using those words casually. It just feels embedded in their culture. I, I agree. Now, 
without getting too sidetracked here, there is also a totally separate theory not related to her second segment, but that Violet is herself a god. So that's not the time to go down that road right now, but that is also another theory that is out there. I want to say one quick thing on that because there are, you know, there's a bunch of fantasy books that do have that element added into it. Rebecca Yaros has made this book as an intro to fantasy, and that feels a little bit like fantasy 202 or a beyond. And we're in fantasy 101. So I just don't see that element into our story. I do think that Violet is a normal girl who just happens to be one of the most powerful wielders, writers. That's a good point. There's levels of fantasy within books and book series in these worlds. And this, while absolutely epic with all the magic and the venom and the dragons and the griffins and everything like that, it is less complicated because it is an intro to fantasy than quite a few other fantasy books. And so I see it being a little bit more, I'll call it straightforward with its fantasy. Now in a little while, we are going to talk about some prophecy. So I could definitely see prophecy coming into the mix. But again, I feel like that is a little bit separate from this discussion here. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. Next up, we have distance wielding. And this is a extremely popular, we're kind of getting the popular ones, bam, 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 out of the way at the top. This is a signet that has not been seen for hundreds and hundreds of years. There have only been two writers in all of the centuries that have been distance wielders. But this is the ability to basically span miles and hundreds of thousands of miles within a single step. Think about it in terms of apparating from the Hogwarts world or, you know, winnowing from the Akatar world. However, when does it show up as a possibility for Violet on the page? We get multiple mentions of distance wielders in this book. We We also do know that when Violet wakes up from the dream in chapter 52, Zayden is supposed to be off on a mission for over a week. And when he comes back, she's finally like, oh my God, yes, I can finally tell him about the wards. He's got some scruff on his face. It's kind of clear that they haven't seen each other for a while. But in chapter 52, Violet wakes up from a dream and she snuggles up with Zayden when he's supposedly supposed to be on this mission. It could be he came home really quickly for a night. It could, unfortunately, we always have to mention it could be just an editing oversight. It's a book. It was pumped out really fast. It happens. But this is the primary example for a lot of people that she either distance wielded or she distance wielded him. Another moment that I brought up in our very last Iron Flame deep dive episode is when Violet is running to the Wardstone chamber. She has this moment where, quote, my fingers tingling painfully like they've just had circulation restored after a lengthy period of numbness. Basically saying that she ran so fast that she actually took that single step where she just like, boom, apparated into the Wardstone chamber. Now, probably Arik and Brennan and the other people in the Wardstone chamber would have been like, the fuck? Like, they would have been very surprised. Maybe it was right outside. We don't know. But the other big support for this is that no one has seen this signet in centuries. And Indarna mentions that when she's talking about being in an egg, she mentions the word, it has been centuries. So people are kind of making that crossover connection with the signet and with Indarna's language there. Some also think, like Dillalil on Reddit, they think that it's highly possible that Zayden leaves in book three and will, you know, he'll be all noble and he'll go find a cure and Violet will need, remember it comes from a great need, she will need to travel great distances in order to get her zaddy fix. Also remember, Zayden is not tethered to Sigil anymore, so he could very well leave her behind with Tarn, negating the whole like 
Zayden, Violet, Terrence, and Gail needing to see each other every few days scenario. That's definitely a possibility. And then also at Angie Dalton on TikTok brought up a really good point. She mentioned that Violet has been saying since fourth wing that she's really fast and what she's lacked for in strength, she's made up for in speed. She also brings up that Zayden says, quote, if I was a distance wielder, don't you think I'd spend every night in your bed? Connecting again to that top of the chapter 52 when maybe Violet actually distance wielded him back into her bed. We've talked about distance wielding on the podcast a lot. So if you want to explore that, definitely check out, especially our episode 13, our last episode. And while I definitely think this is going to show up for someone in our story, there would not have been two mentions of it's been centuries since there's been a distance wielder if it wasn't going to show up. I have a feeling it is more likely that it will show up in a different side character than it will for Violet. Violet needs to run fast, yes, and this would be a very rare signet. So it does check off some of our qualification boxes, but her need for running and training was a result of her trauma in the Resin battle, not who she is at her core. And Rebecca Yaros is very good at distinguishing the two separately. She is not her trauma. She's She experienced it definitely in this book, and she really overcame it as she went through. No telling what trauma she will experience next book after seeing her boyfriend with red eyes, but that's a tale for a different day. Also, I could totally see this being helpful for our story. However, I just don't see it being Violet at her core. She is someone who needs information, that mind of a scribe. Now, if her signet hadn't manifested yet, this would be high on top of my list yep. because assuming maybe Zayden does, you know, do the whole noble thing and he leaves and da 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 da, she would have a great need next book to be able to travel those far distances and that would make sense to me but because we know that it has already manifested she hasn't had that great need to travel the far distances yet Lexi what are your thoughts well I wholeheartedly agree with pretty much everything you've said there I think that the instances of distance wielding evidence that you laid out can be explained by other things more so than some of the other signet possibilities although Zayden being next to her when she wakes from the dream it really did give me pause when we were going through that part of the deep dive I agree wholeheartedly, again, that we will see the signet for someone else. I am really hoping that it'll be Arik. I don't know why. I'm, I just really think it'll be him. I think that we'll absolutely see it. However, will we see it in Violet herself? I'm leaning towards no. It can be hard to make healthy and fast meals, especially because anything quick can be very questionable on how healthy it really is. Even when something says that it's good for me, ingredients, they say otherwise. They're lying. That is why, however, I love Daily Harvest. They ensure there's no gluten, fillers, seed oils, added sugars, or starches, so I can actually focus on everything else in my life, like fantasy fangirls and my family, while never wondering what's really in that super quick meal that I made. Daily Harvest really takes the guesswork and effort out of cooking. No kidding. But they deliver delicious smoothies and other options that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to our door. I can get my yummy smoothies and meals that are ready in minutes without the trouble of shopping, prepping, or cleanup. Oh my. And when it comes to variety, Daily Harvest is always keeping it exciting. I tried the chocolate mint smoothie the other day. Oh, oh my God. It was so good. I love it. They have tons of great smoothies and other meal options that look freaking delicious. I 
will never get bored when it comes to meals and snacks. My two toddlers are absolutely obsessed with smoothies. Like they will literally do a little happy dance every time I start to make them a smoothie. It's the cutest thing in the world. But Daily Harvest, oh, they have such delicious smoothie options. And I have to like actually be really sneaky about when I drink mine when the kids are sleeping so I can actually have my own smoothie. But I was also really surprised at how many other food options they have. Nicole, you mentioned their other meals. Daily Harvest has harvest bowls that keep me full all throughout the day. And they have these veggie based pasta that, oh my gosh, my husband and I absolutely love. It is so incredible and it makes me feel like so healthy eating it. (laughs) Take the guesswork out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time, go to dailyharvest.com slash FFG to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash FFG for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash FFG. Then we have the chameleon second signet possibility, where Violet's signet is basically whatever she needs in the moment. Another variation of this is manifestation, where Violet manifests whatever she needs in the moment. Someone else described it as the signet of requirement, like the room of requirement, but in the context of a signet power. I loved that, by the way. Like, it, it, again, it like helps you kind of understand the context of these kind of like nuanced powers here. Bottom line here is that Violet could wield power to achieve what is needed in the moment. Whatever she truly needs, she is able to manifest it and make it happen. There's some hints from dialogue to this, like when Undarn is always saying, I'll be where you need me. Or even when Liam says, I'm exactly where I need to be. This really does roll a lot of signet possibilities into one. For instance, we were just talking about with the distance wheel and possibility and how Zayden is next to her in bed. Well, what if she needed his comfort in that moment? And so she actually manifested him, I'll say, into existence in that moment, even though he wasn't actually there. Or that's how she also got Liam to manifest, too. And then other situations as well, where it really is all these different signets that we all think it is. And it is her doing that with her signet, but it's actually her manifesting whatever is needed again in that moment, that chameleon signet. I I really do love this possibility because we are all just going crazy over figuring out what her second signet is. But the answer really actually might be... All of them. All of us could be right here. Also, Andarna is a chameleon dragon, so it seems fitting that Violet's signet uniquely represents her dragon too. This would also be an insanely powerful signet. Like amplification, it's also kind of like the opposite signet to Bodhi's, who can counter signets. Nature likes all things in balance. We know that very well, so this would be a, a cool balancing act to his. This is definitely another one of my favorite signet possibilities. She wields pure power from Taren, and then she represents I'll say all power from Andarna. Well, when you put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So along these same lines, you also might have heard us talk about the Uno Reverse Signet or the Reflection Signet, as some people call it as well. This signet is literally the ability to reflect the signets around her. So unlike the chameleon signet, where she can create a signet based off of what's needed in the moment, this one's more like Kirby from Super Smash Bros, where Kirby eats their opponents and then like poops them out and then suddenly has their powers. Just imagine all of that without the eating and pooping part, basically. (laughs) Some examples of this are when we're in Corden, Mira creates wards when they're fighting the Venom. We mentioned that earlier with amplification, but what if it was actually Violet who was creating the wards and not even Mira in the first place? Now, Mira was like, pretty quickly burnt out after that. So we're not really sure. We also don't know if taking their signet power does basically burn them out to the dregs. 
again, we don't know. But the one that is the really big highlight, like neon sign for me here is the throne scene. Violet could have absorbed the ability to be an intrinsic in that moment when Zayden was going to town on her and he suddenly starts talking into her mind and it's not our normal bond because afterwards Zayden is weird. He is capital W weird. And he says over and over again, like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And we're thinking that he thinks he did some weird intrinsic ability, but in actuality, it might have been Violet who had the ability to be an intrinsic for a moment. So it is not out of the question that it could be from the throne scene. And really, that's the only time it manifests on the page. That is definitely a scene that this would fit so perfectly into it. And I do think that this reflective version is more realistic than the manifestation one of being able to kind of do any signet there. Manifesting anything she needs in the moment, it would be so extremely powerful. But being able to reflect another signet or amplify it gives more, I'll say, perimeters within the magical ability. And that's just necessary for a fantasy book. But like I did say a little while ago, I I love the idea of essentially all of us in the fandom being right about what Violet's signet is because technically she can wield all of the signets in this situation here as well. I I do really like that. It's about how she wields her signet, not necessarily what the resulting signet is. Yes, I agree. And I think considering that Andarna has like, you know, her chameleon-like scales, it would be very poetic for Violet to also have a chameleon-like signet. Her and Andarna have always had this really super special bond. I mean, in chapter 64, Andarna says, we want the same things. And they're just, they're two peas in a pod. This is also wildly too powerful, in my opinion. Like, where would the checks and balances be of this signet? So if it was one of these, like, manifestation or chameleon signets, there would be some major limitations just from a storytelling perspective that Rebecca Yaros would need to put in place. So she doesn't just, like, suddenly overpower everyone in the book and take out the venom and boom, we're done in book three. I don't think that's going to happen, obviously. (laughs) However, when it comes to a very rare and powerful signet that still has the checks and balances box checked off, this reflection signet or this Una reverse signet, I really think it has it there. She would have to have someone near her who has the same signet. For me, though, the big asterisk comes down to who is Violet at her core. And I think it would depend on if she's using the signet with the original wielder or using it in their stead. Because if it's using it with them, I think that's very Violet. It's standing in solidarity with someone. It's having that all power. It's still having that very uniqueness. It's having that kind of second honor. She has that second ability. It really checks off that box too. But if it's using it in their stead, that doesn't feel very Violet. Violet isn't someone who takes things from others. And I know it's not supposed to be viewed that way, but for lack of a better term, she would be doing that. So I think it would all just come down to the semantics of how this would be used. But like the speaking to the dead theory, this is something I could see having really cool implications in our story. I see this fitting into our story. So For that reason, it's very high on my list. Also, Lexi, you said something when Andarna says, I'll be where you need me. And then Liam says, I'm exactly where I need it. I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but that could be another tie-in between Andarna's second signet being the ability to speak to the dead. Because that's the two times where we see those very, very, very similar lines there. Rebecca using those lines to connect us of, you should be thinking of Andarna and Liam in the same way, because surprise, he's actually coming from her power to begin with. Mm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that so much. I'm really starting to lean more towards the 
communication with the dead. I never thought I'd say that, but (laughs) I know I'm so proud of you. But let's roll into our next segment, which we're going to kind of shove three into the same category here. And that's premonition, precognition, and profit. There are multiple versions of the signet. Obviously, we're naming three of them, and that doesn't even cover all of them. But ultimately, all of these signets have the same underlying ability, and that is the ability to see the future in some sort of way. Emergency underscore yellow 2861 on Reddit pointed out that a possible hint actually might be from Fourth Wing in Chapter 5. In their first battle brief, the Violet states that the riders who responded to the attack on the village of Chakir must have already been on their way due to their quick arrival. This is in their very first battle brief. And everyone laughs at her. Ha ha ha, Jack fucking Barlow especially. But then Jack says, quote, I'm not the one who thinks precognition is a thing. This is also a play on Melgren's signet. Yes, he can see the outcome of battles. But as Jack fucking Barlow says, he can't see when the battles are going to occur. So this would be I'm not even going to call it a play. This would be an expansion on Melgren's signet, making her even more powerful than our dude. And I love it. The supporting evidence for the signet is really prevalent in her dreams. The dream sequences where she talks to these venom, and it really could be a possible scenario that we just haven't seen on the page yet. Or Violet also might have the ability to instinctively know or guess certain outcomes. She knew the Venon were going to be at Bezgaith when no one else did. That could have been her signet manifesting. She was also able to see the outcomes of a different scenario than Melgren did at Samaro. Obviously, she doesn't have the same barrier that Melgren would have with the not being able to see it when, you know, Mark Twins are around since she doesn't have the runes working against her. But this does make us wonder, would she be able to just see the future? Would she be able to see any possible future? outcomes, not just one. This is where it gets a little confusing. I'm not going to lie, but Lexi, go ahead and share your thoughts before I get wrapped up in my own thoughts here. (laughs) This is another one where I love the concept of the second signet, though I am leaning in the camp that the dreams, which is the main supporting evidence for this one, are not necessarily the future, but they are actually a means of communication with the venom. I I could be completely wrong, but that's just my personal hunch. I also feel like it would be so hard to have a main character who can see the future. That's just some tricky storytelling. I'm not saying that Rebecca couldn't pull it off. It's certainly not impossible or automatically bad. It's just tricky. I like how this is in some ways the opposite of communicating with the dead, which focuses more on learning histories. This one is obviously peering into the future. It represents her in a way that other signets don't. She could figure out how to keep her loved ones safe. She could glean far more information and be the first to know it, which we all know how Violet is with being the first to know information. And so I I actually do think that this would check off in a very unique way who she is at her core. I'm just not jumping into the signet possibility as much as others, as cool as it is, because I have not seen enough concrete evidence from my perspective. I agree. I think I love where this is going, but I don't see it as clearly as the other second signets we've covered on the page. Yes. So, but to your point, it does feel very violent. However, Rebecca Yaros has mentioned that she expects us fans to figure it out. And if she thinks that we could figure this one out, she's given us a lot of credit, in my opinion. At well, least I'll the at least me. Like there is the dreams could dreams. be the big hint. Yeah. And we are misinterpreting what and I'll say when those dreams are occurring. So true. And this honestly, this is more of a dig at me because I truly could just be burying my head in the sand because there are a lot of people who think it is precognition or some variation of it. Do I think it would be really cool if this was a 
sister signet or even an older sibling signet of Melgrin's? Yes. Do I think that this would be interesting to see what this could do for our story? Absolutely. Kind of like having a That's So Raven character in the story would be really cool. Do I think this would be a rare signet? Yeah. And I think that Jack fucking Barlow saying, I'm not the one who thinks precognition is a thing is definitely something to raise some eyebrows. I could see this being in the same camp as distance wielding though, where we did get that line from Jack fucking Barlow, but it's actually to hint that another character has precognition. Remember, we still don't know Garrick's signet. We still don't know the Assembly's signets, most of them. So I could definitely see this being more of a another character has this type of signet rather than Violet. I feel like we could do our whole other episode about what is Garrick's signet. Oh my God. <laughs> we know, we I won't say we would know, but we can highly infer that it is not distance wielding because Zayden Correct. is the one who says there's only been two distance wielders in like all of Navarre and there hasn't been one for centuries or whatever. So I don't think it's Garrick. I also don't think that it would be precognition because he is in the same battle seat. Like he, he would be able to prevent some of the bad things that happen to them. Also not to expand on this too much, but when the assembly is going to raise the wards for the first time and they think they just need to bleed on the stone and it's the six most powerful writers in Eurasia. Garrick's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, Garrick's not one of the most powerful writers, but Bodhi is. So we can assume that if Garrick is not in that most powerful writer, he probably doesn't have a very powerful signet. Now they could be trying to hide his signet and it could be like super, super classified. But I'm honestly leaning towards it being a more run of the mill signet and just kind of just hasn't come up yet. Yeah. yeah. But back to Violet. We could talk about Garrick's all day long. Next up, we have the second signet of gravity, or more like defying gravity. <laughs> There's that, a reason I, I went it. to school for musical theater and you didn't. <laughs> I can't read or write with, without singing it. We all know that the word gravity is frequently used throughout the book. We kept a tally of it. It is often linked between Violet and Zayden. Bottom line is, it has some serious meaning to it. Second signet meaning, perhaps? I don't know. There's a lot of moments where Violet explains how gravity shifts when she has high emotions. And this language is not a coincidence at all. So if Violet could defy gravity, she could protect herself and others from a venom draining power like air wielders do, but in a more powerful sense. And this reason right here is why I love this signet so much. So that she could ride Andarna. Because if she has a second signet of gravity, whatever exactly that means, it would be most aligned with her and and Darna being a team and taking to the skies. Ah, I just love that idea so much. And separately, and I can't believe I'm bringing this back up after bashing the class, which quite a few of you were like, Lexi, physics is important. It's like, I know, but I'm not a physics person. There is a physics formula that one of our followers brought to our attention. And I'm so sorry. I tried to look back up on our conversation. And I'm so sorry that I cannot find your name to give you credit, but you know who you are and you're awesome. The physics formula for power is about four and velocity. Force represents Violet's lightning and velocity represents gravity and together they equal pure power. So Violet's two signets could even combine to create one, I'll call it an extra powerful signet that we saw plenty of in this book. All right. All right. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I'll say that is the extent of any 
conversation I can have about physics. I even was trying to <laughs> Google it to like sound a little bit smarter and I gave up because it was 10 o'clock at night and I don't do physics. So I apologize that I did not explain that properly. But anyway, gravity is so prominent in this book that it absolutely has a bigger meaning. Whether that is second signet bigger meaning or a different kind of bigger meaning, we don't know that. Rebecca did say that the clues are all there for her second signet and that it did manifest and that there are clues on the pages there. What if it is literally in Iron Flame, like just the word gravity and how it's used so many times? I didn't put too much weight into this second signet idea until I realized that this could be the key to her writing and Darna. And that's just beautiful, making this shoot up in my second signet ratings. We also know that Violet needs to feel grounded and this is literally what gravity does. So for her to be able to, I call it manipulate that, would be a very interesting take on her needs. Love the added element of being able to help her and Indarna out. Because I'm not going to lie, I was. I think that this is more of a literary theme highlighting Violet's connection to Zayden highlighting her connection to needing to know the truth versus when she hears lies like when she's in her truth zone and the gravity mentions are in regards to that it is always like it's all about her being like on the ground and her feet are planted but when she's hearing something that throws her world into a loop because her you know facts are out of whack it's gravity shifts it's something along those lines so I do think I am leaning more towards this being a literary technique to show how much Violet's world is just being thrown into upheaval. But does this check off a lot of boxes for our girl Violet and what she needs and who she is at her core? Fuck yeah, absolutely. It's not as high on my list, but do but would I be mad about it? Absolutely not. I think that would be a really cool thing to then go back and reread Iron Flame with all of the gravity mentions and being able to see it through a different lens. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then we have time manipulation. There's a few variations of the signet possibility. So when I say time manipulation, I mean speeding or slowing or freezing time or even time travel. That definitely kind of takes it to a whole new level there. I loved one description where instead of distance wielding or dream walking, she's a distance walker through time. And I was like, ooh, I like that. There are also multiple instances during like chaotic moments where it says, quote, Quote, time slows to heartbeats or some variation of that. This could be the beginning of her time manipulation signet coming into play. And especially it's almost like a leveled up version of what she experienced within Darna with like being able to walk through time. That would be flipping awesome. This would also absolutely play into her need for information and it would represent the scribe in Violet. She can learn history's truth, like the real truth, right? Directly from the people because she can go back in time and learn about it then. I mean, I love this with the added element of time travel. I think if it was just time manipulation, like in the here and now, we've already done that with fourth wing. So I don't see that coming back into play as that just being the second signet. I think it would need to be time manipulation asterisk plus extra. But like, just imagine her being able to go back in time, talk to Papa Sorengale, maybe Naolin if he is actually dead, which we both don't think he is. The first six, like she'd be able to go back and get so much more information. The only reason I'm not like leaping at this second signet is because time travel in stories is 
a messy thing to add from a creator's perspective with how many plot holes it adds in, with how many, you know, new elements of lore she would need to figure out is Violet able to, you know, like, I mean, you know, I think about like Time Turner, Hermione Granger, like would she need to sneak around and make sure she doesn't like double Violet in the same room at one point? Also, if she does go back and talk to her dad and she's like a three-year-old at the time and Violet's, a, you know, 21-year-old now, how would that work? I think it raises more questions and not in a good fun like oh let's theorize these questions way it raises more like how would that work in our story but it does pass the violet need for information check so I will definitely give it that yes it absolutely does pass that check and I would be so curious like you were saying to see how this plays out on the page throughout the rest of the series I was pretty adamant during our fourth wing coverage in our Violet second signet speculation because we did think it was going to show up in Iron Flame or actually you thought it was going to show up in Iron Flame. I did not. Technically, I won that bet, but it's fine. <laughs> I didn't get credit for it. It's fine. That I really didn't think it would have to do with time. And my reasoning is actually most people's reasoning that it would be time manipulation because I feel like we did the time thing in fourth wing with Andarna's first power. Could it come back in another form for Violet because the signet is from Andarna? very possibly, though it's also not the dragon's power that transfers to them. So it technically shouldn't have a direct correlation to whatever her signet is. All of this to say, there are a lot of moments, though, when time feels warped in the book. And that could be some great little hints that it has manifested and she is experiencing this, but she just doesn't know it in the moment. It could also be just because there's so much going on during these intense scenes and it's a way to describe the sequence of events and the inner narrative because it is supposed to be disorienting. It is supposed to be these crazy action sequences and we're supposed to be in there in the moment and the concept of time really helps us orient or disorient ourselves there. If we're going the time traveling route, I'd much rather it be communicate with the dead where it has similar results, which is to talk to people who aren't around anymore. So that's my final two cents on it. I agree. I agree completely. Next up is the signet ability to communicate with all dragons. If you remember in Fourth Wing, it is stated time and time again that you do not talk to dragons who are not your own unless you have a death wish. But our girl Violet doesn't really seem to have a problem with that. Communicating verbally with both Sleeg when she is trying to save Sawyer from the wyvern who ate his leg, and then also with Coda when confronting him about knowing Andarna and the seventh dragon den. I'm going to be honest. I think that this would be a pretty anticlimactic second signet because technically anyone can try to talk to another writer's dragon. They just won't survive it. And so it's not about the ability to, it's about the consequences of it. And Violet does talk to these other dragons, as you were just saying. I believe that says more about her reputation and who she is than her second signet capabilities. We know that the dragons in the Vale, they have been actively talking about Violet. They were talking about her before she became a writer and bonded two dragons. You know they're going to be talking about her after she bonded Taryn and another dragon. So maybe she's more respected among them and she is just really and truly the exception to that rule. Taryn is feared by most other dragons. No one is going to mess with him except Coda would have but Again, yeah. they had bigger issues in the moment. He was not going to fry her then. And I just don't feel like this is her second signet. 
I will give this signet the benefit of the doubt and say that, yes, it definitely checks off the boxes of needing to be in alignment with pressing information from the Empyrean. However, I'm also going to be very inclined to say no on this one, mainly because it doesn't have that like specialty, kind of like how you were saying, it is that anticlimactic signet. She also does speak out loud to both of these dragons. If she was speaking mind to mind with both of these dragons, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. Yeah. But because she is speaking out loud, there are no italics friends I am inclined <laughs> to say that this is more of a testament to what a badass Violet is than this being a second signet clue yep the next second signet is also another popular one which is dream walking and I'm actually going to pull this from def not my smut account on reddit this is the signet that basically Violet is able to walk through dreams with others and the reason for this second signet you know being on the page was she was walking through Zayden's dreams the entire time not her own def not my smut account also mentions that there's a possibility of being able to walk through Indarna's dreams in the future you know being six 150 years old she might have some good stuff to dream about especially from 650 years ago that might lead to a cure to help Zayden with the venom. my thoughts are this is definitely a cool idea this is really unique and it would be an absolute twist for us given how we experience the dreams in iron flame however I am inclined to believe that those were her own dreams and not just Zayden's now they might be you know like how we said in episode I think it was 13 saying how it was like a copy paste situation Mm -hmm. where the venom basically were like, oh, we're going to, you know, plant this dream into him. We're also going to plant the same dream into her. But I do think it was Violet experiencing that dream, mainly because there is an instance where Taryn was there. And I don't know why Zayden would be dreaming about Taryn. I mean, it's not out of the question, but I am going to be leaning away from this as a second signet possibility. My thoughts as well. It's interesting. You and I actually are very aligned with most of these second signets. You know, we have like our little variations, but overall, we're definitely on the same path together, which just sorry for our listeners. The ranking at the end. <laughs> Those are not the same. I really do believe that her dreams are her own, like Nicole was saying, and that there's something else here at play with the dreams. Of course, they do have a bigger meaning, especially how it ties in with the venom. But I do think that they are her dreams and therefore it would not be a second signet. So this next one is actually very similar to what I thought Violet's second signet would be before Iron Flame came out, but ultimately has similar outcomes as Amplification. So this is a really cool kind of two-in-one. Emmy Ego on Reddit shared a great essay explanation about how Violet can have the ability to harness the power of the sun. This means that she has the ability to harness sunlight. This person on Reddit provides some really great examples but one small one in particular that kind of stood out to me was remember how Violet gets like sunburnt when she channels too much power where she's burning from the inside out and her skin feels like it's on fire and it looks super red. It's really tight and she even relates it to a sunburn. I don't know if everybody else has that. Now, of course, that could be just like her pure power or something like that, but just Keep in mind that here. Separately, let's look at the definition of a luminary in the context of our story. It is a device that intensifies dragonfire to create the alloy, there in the book, but in real life, a luminary means a celestial body like the sun that gives light. So, what if Violet is like the sun? She channels the full force of the sun and the light she gives off intensifies the powers around her like a luminary does. This brings us right back to amplification, 
but it's on a broader scale. There's also a moment when she reached for Andarna's power and it went boom. We've talked about that as another second signet supporting evidence for several possibilities. Could it be that she was, I'll call it, harnessing too much sun power there and that's what literally made it go kaboom? Then Kylie in our emails pointed out that during the throne spicy scene, it's the first time that Violet describes her, oh, as power and light course through me. That is the first time since Andarna woke up that she uses the word light. It was always power before when she was explaining it coursing through her, but never light. It's only after that she starts using power and light once she wakes up. Then, of course, what if it is Violet's light that is the balance to Zayden's shadows, not her lightning power? She even says at one point that she has the power of light. She literally states it, but we are always correlating that to her lightning signet instead of her power signet. So it could literally be the power of light and the way that can also tie up there is the sun it is giving. It is that amplification. It could also help heal the earth that was touched by all the venom and drained by the power. It could help give that life back to it. Well, fuck me. <laughs> I thought that I had shit figured out and then you come in with this. Okay. Also, the book covers. Think about the book that covers. What's in the center is a that. fucking yes. sun. Yes. <laughs> a fucking sun. Which I was going on and on about this when I was, uh, this was, I don't know if it was a hill I was willing to die on necessarily, but I was pretty adamant with her second signets having something to do with the sun. And I love this explanation here. I was him-ha on this until you said power and light course through me. Yep. So, well, and then also she amplified powers around her. We don't know if the intrinsic ability was also Zayden somehow getting like super intrinsic abilities. Oh my gosh, I didn't even into, think about that. Yes, like, exactly. And yes. being able to speak into her mind. Ah, uh, fuck. I literally thought that I was so <laughs> in a camp and now I'm not. I This just threw such a wrench into my evil plans. I, the only asterisk I'm going to put here is it does kind of muddy the waters between Taryn's power and, and Darna's power. And while I do think that there's going to be, you know, like that nature likes all things in balance, there's going to be a very big polarity to it. I think honestly, just to keep the readers in a way where it doesn't confuse us readers, yes, yes. I could see these being complementary in this way. So yeah, that yeah. was good. That was really good. And then that's not even getting into the whole, she has the power of the sky and and getting into the three brothers, like harnessing the power of the sky. Like I'm not even touching on all of that possibilities here too, because we have always thought that it was that lightning power. But what if it was actually the power of the sun? Both. What if it was both? What? Yeah, it could be both. both. Yeah. I do, however, agree with you. I love this actually might be still my number one theory here, which I never thought I'd think that like going from fourth wing and now the end of iron flame. But here we are because it is so similar to her power with Taryn. Now, I should say, I shouldn't say so similar. There is a lot of overlap between the two of them. I love the idea, however. I'm really leaning into the fact that lightning is giving. And if she is going to have that amplification signet, which a lot of people do think that, then this would be it. So it's not just amplification, but there's almost, I'll see like some science backing behind it. And it has bigger implications as well. For instance, where she could, I'll say, give life back into the earth and or something along those lines there. That's where I really see like that beautiful twist of it being so much more than it being just like a straightforward signet like amplification yeah. kind of would be. Here's one thing I will say in regards to this is that does this check the mind of a scribe? 
and I don't think it does. No. It, and that, again, it goes back to it is a little too overlappy with Taryn's power because yeah. I really do think it has to be about her scribehood and this isn't it. But it is about her being a giving person, so. Exactly. And honestly, that is enough for me to say, okay, it checks who Violet is at her core box. Yeah. I will say, you got me at the power and light course through me. That's when I... I sailed away with you. I sailed away. <laughs> now, for years, I have been hearing about AG1, and I have always been like, oh, man, I really want to give it a try. I mean, I am not great about taking vitamins consistently. I also knew that it was filled with ingredients that I love, and I had just been hearing that it tastes so doing good. So when I finally pulled the plug and decided to start taking it regularly over a month ago, all I can say is, Yes, to all of that and more. Since drinking AG1 daily, I felt more alert, more focused during the day, less bloaty. Even my skin is brighter and my nails are growing stronger. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Just one scoop mixed into water once a day, every day. This is why AG1 is such a game changer for just its simplicity and getting me what I need. Just one daily scoop of AG1 covers all of my nutrients gaps and supports my mental and physical health in just 60 seconds every morning. No handfuls of supplements or wondering how my belly will react to them if I haven't had my breakfast yet or whatever. I have a sensitive tummy, but AG1, it is so great no matter when I drink it. AG1 is the supplement we trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why we're so excited to have them as a Fantasy Fangirls partner. If you want to take your ownership over your health this year, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs. I was just traveling. I brought them with me. You bet I did. With your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash FFG. That's drinkag1.com slash FFG. Check it out. Next, let's move into the big one that came out of the throne scene to begin with. Of course, I'm covering this one. And that is the idea that Violet could also be an intrinsic. Now, in true Rebecca Yaros fashion, it would appear as intrinsic, but probably be a twist on something else. We learned in Iron Flame that there are types of intrinsics, or at least Zayden infers that there are types of intrinsics. He doesn't really know because they kill everyone who's like him. Good job, Navarre. Now, this would be something that would represent more of the scribe in her, which is why I'm going to do like a sub bullet of the truth sayer signet, which is not necessarily an intrinsic, but they're so close we had to rope them into the same one. A lot of people think that this is going to be Violet's second signet because of this chapter epigraph. Quote, the only thing more terrifying than an intrinsic is a truth sayer, and yet we let them live. In this epigraph, it would be connecting Zayden and Violet together as second signet buddies. But for a lot of people, just because it was on the page in that way, it didn't show that Violet had manifested this as a second signet. However, there is a moment in Battle Brief where Markham and Devera are discussing a battle that happened and they're blaming the Griffins for it. And Violet is very like, hmm, doubtful. Until Devera says that she's the one who got injured. And then Violet immediately knows that she is telling the truth. Many think that she's a truthsayer and she used her truthsayer ability 
piece to check, almost check Devera's truthness on that one. But we also can assume that if she is a truthsayer, she's not just any normal truthsayer. She would be a highly, highly powerful one where some people think that she would be able to almost speak truth into others and thus control them. We're going to talk about that more in just a second with another segment. That reminds me of if you watch Umbrella Academy and one of the girls with the powers and she says, I heard a rumor and then that's her power. Like that's kind of what I think of in this terms. Oh, interesting. I've never seen Umbrella Academy, but you've just It's so good. You would love it, Nicole. You would I think I would, yeah. You would love it. You need to watch it. (laughs) But going back to the epigraph, it also mentions that the only thing more terrifying than an intrinsic, the the big question mark that brought up for a lot of people was how is being able to tell the truth versus not the truth more terrifying than knowing someone's thoughts? So that's where this added element of, you know, if someone's super powerful as a truthsayer, they'd be able to speak truth into someone else and basically control them. That's where that element really came in. What are your thoughts, Lex? I'm not crazy about the idea of Violet being an intrinsic as well. Does it make sense for what she needs and how she's always demanding the truth and information? Yes, absolutely. But I think giving her something similar to Zayden's second signet or even like truth saying, it's not great storytelling. And I know I keep going back to that, but that is something that has to be in play here too. Is her second signet going to be good storytelling? If Violet is a true intrinsic, kind of like Zayden, but a different type than Zayden, I feel like we would have known when it manifested because Zayden almost lost it. Like, remember, like you essentially lose it when you manifest your intrinsic ability. Jeremiah certainly did. And we all saw what happened to him. Zayden had to really lock it down and Sagale had to like coach him through all of that. And I don't know what the manifestation is like for truth sayers, but I really do think for this kind of mind signets, we would have known what it manifested right there in her head. And I'll also say that if it, let's say that it is a mind signet and it manifested, I want to continue trusting her narrative. We have to trust Violet as the POV character, as the main one here taking us through the story. And if we're, I want to say almost like lied to or downplayed in her own POV, then I'm going to have some trust issues with her. I'm coming off of CC3 with all of that there. (laughs) I will say, if we're looking at Violet's motivations alone, truthsayer or intrinsic, make a lot of sense. She needs information. She's someone who wants the facts and the cold hard truth. Yes. But... We already have true sayers in this world. We already have intensics in this world. I think that, especially given the fact that Andarna is a really flippin' unique dragon, we are not going to see this signet with anyone else, and it's only going to be within Violet. Now, I also don't know if I love this idea about truth sayers being so powerful that they're able to speak truth into other people and control them. We'll talk about, again, we'll talk about that more in a second, but... There was never a moment on the page where I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, truthsayer, absolutely. But to this credit is there were moments or moment with the throne scene that it was like, oh, my God, is she an intrinsic? Yeah. But if she was an intrinsic or a type of intrinsic, I don't think it would be truthsayer. I think it'd be something very different because Zayden and Violet's signets, we don't want them to overlap too much because what's the point in that, especially like when it comes to storytelling, if they're basically the same signet. So they would have to be very different sides of the spectrum when it comes to intrinsics. I just don't know what that would look like in the story. So I am personally leaning away from intrinsic. I think it appeared intrinsic at the throne scene, but I think there's the twist of maybe it's amplification through either the light or through the sun or through just amplification in general, or maybe it's through Uno Reverse or the reflection signet. I think that there's an added twist to it because that's just Rebecca Yaros. 
So on that note right there, that's a great segue into this next one. Let's extend on that possibly controlling others. Perhaps Violet has the power of manipulation where she puts her intentions on others. And in the book, there were instances where people were pretty easy for her to convince. And this signet would be parallel to Zayden's, like you were just saying, how there needs to be that differentiation there if they are going to be similar. So where he reads intentions, she shapes them. And again, that's always kind of given her that upper hand there too. And there were some instances in the book where Violet seemingly controls other people. I brought up the Mira being able to create the wards. That is a big one here as well. Another one is right after Nadine died and she's fighting the assassin Venon, she demands that no one interferes. And even after she's like almost fucking gutted and then she kills him, he's dead on top of her. She's like, I can't even get up. Still, no one interferes. Another one is Imogen. And by the way, that is brought up by a four-part video series by Bookish is Better. They have a huge long video series on the controlling others possibility expansion of Truesayer. Just wanted to plug that. Another one that actually Bookish is Better brought up is that Violet says crouch to Imogen and Imogen drops to the ground. So that was something that could have been her influencing or controlling another people. So my thoughts on the signet ability being to control others or manipulate them or shape their intentions, however you want to call it, I really do see where readers are getting this idea from. I definitely do. And as much as Violet tries to persuade people and often successfully does, she also firmly believes in choice. Most of her best persuasion is with Zayden. A lot of the examples, none that Nicole just listed, but a lot of the other ones are with Zayden. And I just believe that is more of a reflection on his love for her and that she's his weakness than it does about her second signet and that she's just a, I'll call it, persuasive person. Controlling other people just doesn't feel like our girl Violet. It just, it feels like it goes against who she is at her core. But to be quite honest, she's been burned and burned bad (laughs) by people who were seemingly telling her the truth and not at all in actuality. So she might be kind of entering her puppet master era without even knowing it. But I can't get on this train. I do agree with you and I see where readers are getting this absolutely. But I just don't think that this is a second signet moment. I think especially with Imogen, that was more there to show how much trust this second squad has in each other, that they could say something and immediately they would do it, no questions asked. So I'm going to lean against this signet for sure. Another signet possibility here, we told you all there's a whole lot of them, is the ability to see through others' perspectives. Violet is able to see from others' perspectives, like when she can look at her double dragon relic from Andarna's eyes back after threshing in fourth wing, or see the battle from Terran's perspective at the end of Iron Flame. Zayden can send his feelings and his perspectives, like almost like memories and what like that, to Violet. So the whole idea here is that it's exactly that, that she can put herself literally in other people's minds and see from their perspective, specifically in real time. Personally, I feel like all the situations that Violet has been able to see from others' perspective is through the bond and can be explained with the bond. There is a special magic to this mind-to-mind bond that allows writers to see from their dragon's perspectives, see their memories and such. And of course, this would extend to Zayden as well. There is the argument that she saw from others' perspectives in the final battle while she was in the Wardstone chamber because Violet doesn't know who is talking and there is some confusing disorientation. She's like, 
at one point she like doesn't know like if she's the one who's speaking or if it was somebody else. But I think that too can be explained by Violet's own shock and disorientation. Her mom had just died and there was a whole lot of stuff going on all at once and she was extremely distressed. And I think that is more of a writing style reflection on that disorientation than it is to a sign of her second signet being able to see from others' perspectives. I agree. I think it's just her bonds with other people. Plus, this doesn't have the, whoa, unique factor that we are looking for in Violet's second signet. But I agree with everything you said. You said it perfectly. Oh, thank you. Next up is rune magic. While we're not sure exactly how the signet would work, we do know that there are powers linked specifically to runes, like Garrick's dragon, who is extra sensitive to them. If this was Violet's second signet, would that mean that Violet is ultimately an expert at runes, or is she able to tap into a rune magic that very few are capable of? Like maybe like Colonel Mari, who she was an expert at runes, and there hasn't been anybody like her ever since. But the thing is, as of at least right now, Violet is pretty average and she will openly admit that too at runes like Kat is way better at runes than she is so I'm curious how this would play out with her ultimately being I'll call the rune master there's a big moment we've talked about it before and I have to bring it up here as well when Violet reaches for Andarna's power while she's creating her first rune so that could definitely be a tie-in to her second signet there the cool thing about this signet possibility is how the Venon use rune magic to activate the wyvern so Violet Violet could potentially stop all of the wyvern with her own rune magic or almost like create her own army up against them. There's a lot of implications that could have. That would be really cool to see play out. I mean, when she reaches for Andarna's power for the first time really blatantly on the page, it is around runes. So this does fulfill our, it is in the book and it would be, you know, more blatantly obvious, I'll call it for sure. It definitely fulfills that box. But I do think that if she was going to be in this camp, when it came to a signet, she would be better at runes than, for instance, Cat. And Cat was the best in their year and not quiet about it. So I do think also that we already do have this character. It's Garrick's Dragon Crude, who is fulfilling the role of runes hypersensitive and like kind of being more attuned to that. Plus, I do think that the runes side of the magic is going to be much more involved with the Griffin Flyers because they don't have yeah. as powerful of signets, right? They do have their gifts, but it's very different. So I I do think that the rune side of things is going to be fulfilled more within their characters. I agree with you. Yes. This signet concept is a little bit too vague for me to get behind too right now. I don't know exactly how that would work, where it would be that much more rare and exceptional than other writers who are also able to do runes. So I don't see how it would be extremely special the way that her second signet has to be. Last but not least, holy God, we made it. We have the <laughs> second signet of healing. Note that this is different than mending. This idea is that the healing signet is like a level up mending. This is basically where she can mend magic or heal what wasn't there before. Like, you know, healing the earth, maybe going to the barrens and healing the land there, or maybe even just simply being able to heal her own body. Like we talk about Violet so often and we can never forget that she also has EDS. Like she has a chronic illness. So being able to heal her own body or maybe heal Zayden who is a fucking venom now because that just sucks. But another possible twist on this would be able to, kind of like I was saying earlier, heal the drained earth, especially to counteract that venom magic, really to make her the protagonist of the story. 
Yes, we, you know, we get a lot of descriptions about the limits of mending in our story. And I like how that could be a nod to the bigger signet power, an even better one than mending. If Violet can mend magic, or if she can heal the drained earth, I really like that idea a lot. Although I think some of these wielding results could factor into the Harness of Sunlight signet like we were already talking about there. This could also be really big in how she heals Zayden, what we were just saying there. A lot of readers understandably think that her second signet is going to directly relate to finding, providing, or even being the cure for Zayden's venomhood. So this signet would absolutely fill that role and support that there. Yeah, I agree. I think that if it would be something like mending, I don't think it would be mending just plain out because we already have a Sorengale mender in Brennan. Yep. But I do think that if it's going to be something along the mending lines, we're looking at more of that amplification, light, you know, healing or sun magic, all that kind of stuff. It would be a part of the signet, but not the signet itself. Yes. So while I, I like this, I definitely see this and especially like to be able to heal her own body, I think that would be really cool. Obviously, to heal Zayden, I mean, that's going to be a huge need in the next book. But I do see this as being like a subsect of the signet itself rather than the signet itself. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now that we've gone through over 20 different signet options, it is now time for our rankings. Wait, so is this like our top three or are we ranking our top three? We're ranking our top three, like third choice, second choice, first choice. Fuck. I, <laughs> Nicole, I have literally been dreading this moment since I finished the book back in November and knew that her second segment was on the page because I am not ready. I, I thought maybe I'd be ready now after deep diving it for 50 <laughs> hours and like, actually, no, we've only done Iron Flame for not as many as that. We've only done that for like 30 hours. <laughs> only 30 hours. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I am like, I just, I am so torn. So on that note, before we dive into these top three rankings, apparently that they have to be ranked, we have the right to change our minds. We yes. have all year to mull this over. We have all year to be influenced by your wonderful messages and theories. And this is not my final take. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> this is our final take right now. But we will do like coverage in the lead up to Iron Flame and all that stuff. And we will probably change our minds. I'm not going to even say we have the right to. We will probably change our minds for sure. But I, I don't know. I actually, I do feel pretty good about my top three. I do feel oh, pretty I good about that. Five. <laughs> I have five top ones. <laughs> you cheater. Okay, let's get into top or at least third choice. But apparently for Lexi, it's fifth choice, whatever. <laughs> My third choice is communication with the dead. I was really hesitant to put this as number three because this is my favorite second segment possibility. It is so in alignment with Violet's nature. It 100% fulfills the second honor. It fulfills the mind of a scribe. Like all of these things are just check, check, check. But the only reason it is in third place is because the reasons against it are stacked. Also considering that Rebecca Yaros expects most of us to figure it out. And this one is... It is blatant. It is obvious. It is, I think, the first second signet I also heard about on social media. Mm -hmm. So, I, again, I'm hesitant to put this in number three, but I think I'm going to leave it in number three. Not because it's not my favorite. It is my favorite. If we're going off of favorites, this would be my number one by far. But because of the evidence against it with the serum and all that kind of stuff, I am going to put it in third place. That makes sense. My third place was originally a two-way tie between time manipulation and gravity. But now after we just walked through the chameleon and really that manifesting her needs, 
I think I might have to put time manipulation and gravity in a tied fourth place and then move manifestation chameleon into third here. So okay. I just, I, again, I think that it would be very powerful. So I would trust that Rebecca would find ways to create some parameters around that, which is absolutely possible. It's totally doable. But I really love that idea of it actually being all of the signets that we've all thought about, that it has manifested in that way and that she is such a giver and that she is able to reflect other signets, that she is able to contribute in the way that they best would need it, that she is able to give herself what she needs after she has been going through a whole lot of shit here so that is why i'm going to put the manifestation as the third choice there second choice i originally was going with amplification but that is being knocked out because i loved your take on the from the like the sky from the sun the light and how that could also be a mode of amplification but the thing that really sold me on this is not only the fact that it's the fucking front cover it is the dead center of both of the covers it is right there is a sun and like Lexi just pulled it up there is a sun right there and it's actually over in Darna huh how interesting (laughs) also lol this is an audio podcast you're welcome (laughs) people (laughs) but I love the power and light course through me the reason it is in second place for me and not first place is because there's still some stuff that I feel like needs to be flushed out around it I don't fully feel like it is concrete as communicating with the dead or as my number one choice that I'm going to say in a second. But I really like where this is going and where this is coming from and the idea that it would be able to also heal the heal the earth or, you know, I just, yeah, I love where it could go. I think that is going to be my number two is the light sun amplification trio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so torn on my top two. I don't, I, I don't know. Okay. We have the right to change our minds. Uh, Yep, we do. Okay, so I I think I'm actually also going to put that harnessing the sunlight as my number two spot here. Specifically, this is what makes her an amplifier. So I originally had it as like, yes, she's an amplifier. But then after I went back and really also researched this other second segment possibility, I was like, ooh, I am replacing that as my amplification because I think that ties it up into it. The reason why it is not, it is barely not in my first place is because I think that it is a little bit too close to Terrence. Everything else checks out so beautifully with it, but it is similar to Terrence's power and her pure power. And there's a lot of overlap there that I would hope there is a bigger difference between her two signets. Now, it also really could be cool how they play together and how they're not so separate that they can't be used together. Oh God, maybe I do put this as my first. no. I will stick to this for right now. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Just, I need to stop. Anyway. All right. The way that the language, no, the way that the language shifts to power and light, what you were just saying through her, cursing through her multiple times, that really made me relook at this, how the language is used there. I also love that this just really encapsulates life and living and giving. Violet is a giver. And if she's going to be an amplifier, let's level it up and give her extra badassness by being able to harness the power of the sky in multiple ways and even heal potentially too. I really think that this would extend to giving life back into the earth there. I was all about this signet and fourth wing and I'm going to stick to it. Plus again, like you were just saying, like I showed you all the books on both of the covers. Do I make this my number one? Nope. Nope. I'm going to save my next one. But they're so close, you guys. Like I just can't. They're so close. 
close. Honestly, all of my top three are close. Like I yeah. could have just put them all as my number one. Let's go into our number one. Let's go into our number one. <laughs> Let's go to our number one possible ones. So this is our first choice as a second signet. So this top choice, it is our front runner for what we think her second signet is. And go, Nicole. Let's hear it. I am going to go with Uno Reverse slash Reflection Signet, not the Chameleon Signet. And you know what? In an unsurprising move, it's because of the fucking throne scene. So because <laughs> the throne scene felt so on the nose for us to be directed as readers to be like, whoa, something's happening. There are other moments in the book where, yes, we are kind of like, huh, like, oh, I wonder if that could be something. Or like, you know, we're parsing through the text. This is the only time in the book, other than Liam, I'm going to say other than Liam, that it's like slap you in the face, something just happened that was weird. And signets are also not out of place, especially second signets. It's not out of place for them to make their appearances in steamy scenes. So while yes, there are other instances where Uno Reverse could have been a moment, this also to me fulfills the chameleon tie-in with Andarna without mm-hmm. having the all-powerful signet that it could be really tricky to deal with as a storytelling perspective. Plus, it does hit the, well, Violet signet is all of them because, like you said, Rebecca Yaros does expect us to figure it out. She can look at us and be like, well, technically you all figured it out because (laughs) technically it is all of them. This also gives that checks and balances system that we get with the nature likes all things in balance. It's the opposite of Bodhi's signet as well. Violet also needs more than one thing at her core. Like, you know, we talked about multiple different things here so this would align with the well she needs more than one thing so she needs like all these different things also just i love this second signet as a this also hits the wow is this a freaking unique signet that she would need to train the shit out of yeah all right Lexi, are you ready to make your final choice no i'm not (laughs) it's not your final choice it's just your final choice for now I know. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I can't like I'm so bad at making these kind of decisions. You should really try to go into a restaurant with me. I am terrible about picking from the menu. Uh, I really like I said, I never thought that this would even be in my top three because I was pretty adamant that this couldn't be the signet when we covered this way back when on the podcast. And so while it is not a hill I'm willing to die on. I am not willing to die on any second signet hill, but I'm going to put my number one as communication with the dead. I am flabbergasted right now <laughs> after how adamant you were against this when we covered this in episode six. And I'm still hesitant here. <laughs> I'll say this, that, and the reason that I have any hesitancy at all is exact same for you here. The reason why this is not my number one with flying colors is that damn serum and Darna was asleep. Those are just the wrenches in the second signet theory. Rebecca did say that she just wanted to bring Liam back because she selfishly wanted to see him again. And it was so fitting for Violet in the moment. Now, the follow up question was, is this a hint to a second signet? And she said, I'm not telling you that. She was like, mm, pass. Yeah. So so was she dismissing this as simply what it is that she really did just want to see Liam? Or was she leading us astray? Either are totally possible. But I really do love how this ties in her need for information and how it embodies her as a scribe. Of course, the harnessing the sunlight really represents being a giver. And this one really represents her need for information from the source of truth. And I love that concept here, even though we saw it in a different way with Liam. And so I am going to have to trust that there is some kind of workaround there with the serum and that there is something special about Andarna's power 
that we were supposed to be led astray in that instance there. Let's not forget that when she does say my connection with Andarna is muffled, she does say, I don't try it, though. She does yep. try with Taryn, and it's silent. That's Rebecca Yarrow's saving room for us right there. So, Well, and then this could also lead into a whole other subplot in the third book where it's like, well, the serum doesn't work completely on her, so how could that potentially work with others? I have no idea there. I just started going down a rabbit hole there. But I think that it is different enough from Taryn's, and it is representation of her scribehood. It almost represents that time travel that a lot of people do think, but it is in a very different form. And that is why I really love it. And would she be able to talk to her dad, though? I feel like that might be a little cheesy as much as I'd love for that to happen. I want her to, I want to learn more about Papa Sorengale through his research and through, I'll say, the breadcrumbs that he's left rather than her, you know, bringing him back Resurrection Stone style and being able just to have him lay it all out for her. So yeah. I feel like that would be a shortcut that I'm not looking forward to. But in all sorts of other contexts of her being able to talk to the source of truth, that is what Violet needs most. Well, especially if she's not, you're, now you're convincing this to make me, that my number one, I swear <laughs> to God. But also to, to tie in that Liam still had things that weren't burned by Malik. Papa yes. Samuel has things that weren't burned by Malik. Lyra and Warwick have things that were not burned. So if that's the element of like checks and balances of this, that would work with at least everyone yeah. we need. And I think that could also really tie in to her connection there with Malik, where there is something there. I, I do think that the gods are more of a world building device, yeah. but there could be some complimentary tie in there with her connection to Malik and her being able to communicate with the dead. You have me wanting to rework my entire freaking order, but I'm going to keep it as is, at least for right now. It will probably change by the time we, we will through. absolutely revisit it in our lead up. We will definitely be doing more coverage ahead of the third book because everybody is getting excited for its release. Of course, we don't know when that is at this time. All right. Nicole, that is a wrap on our Iron Flame coverage. Oh, my gosh. That just gave me chills. I can't, I can't believe, believe we did it. it. While this isn't goodbye forever to the Empyrean series, trust us, we are keeping such a close eye out for when the next book comes out and we will do plenty of content around the release, any teasers and more for the lead up. We'll also sprinkle in some other social media content, text carousels, videos here and there. We are not forgetting about the Empyrean just because we're moving on to another series. Someone commented actually on one of our social media posts and just like perfectly captured the feeling with the best mom comparisons. So when you're a mom and you're about to have your second child, you can't possibly imagine loving another human as much as you love your first baby. You know you will, but you just can't even fathom it in that moment. And so I went through this big time, and I know a lot of other moms did too, when you're just like, oh, my firstborn is perfect, and I love them more than anything in the world. How could I ever love someone else as much? You're just saying this because you are a firstborn. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> And then your second baby is born, like Nicole, and your heart expands and you realize it is indeed possible to love another just as fiercely, even if that love is a little bit different because of course they are a different person, 
but still just as much. And I feel like this is exactly the feeling that we all have as we finish up our Empyrean coverage and we head into Akatar. The new deep dives, they won't replace the love we all have for Fourth Wing and Iron Flame episodes, but it'll be new and it'll be different. But hey, it's still us. It's still so much fun with the fantasy fangirls. And yeah, these Empyrean deep dives, all I'm trying to say here is that they are our firstborn. They made fantasy fangirls what it is. And I love this series so much for all the fulfillment that it's brought us and this community. It has literally built this community from the ground up and the way you all are part of this journey and we're all cheering each other on collectively together. It means more than words could ever express. Every message, every comment, every kind word is deeply appreciated and we love you so much. Thank you for changing our lives. Literally, our lives have completely changed since starting this podcast with Fourth Wing back in September. Can I make the quick announcement of what what recently changed? Yes, please. Because of what has happened with Fantasy Fangirls in the last five months, because of all of you who have been sharing and screaming from the rooftops about this show, I officially left my other job. (laughs) And I officially went full time in Fantasy Fangirls last week. I'm so proud. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start tearing up. I'm just so proud of you. So proud. It's your turn. You're next. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I know. I have stopped accepting any more work. I've been asked to to take on another client and then a few other projects. And I have been very adamantly no. And I am going to start scaling back on my work very soon. And I'm just so excited. We are just so humbled and so honored to be part of your lives and to bring you laughs and insights and the simple joys of reading a book in a new way. And last thing here is that we really do hope to see you next week as we start our Akatar episode one. chapters one through five. This is a really big deal for us as we transition series and we're nervous, we're scared, we kind of feel maybe a little bit a lot of pressure, but we are so excited for it because this is literally the series that we were going to start Fantasy Fangirls with. So we've been very patiently waiting for five months to just dig on into (laughs) Akatar. Cannot wait. A friendly reminder that when we do start our Akatar coverage, we will have spoilers for the entire five book series from our very first episode episode. You know how we do our deep dives. You've probably spent 50 plus hours <laughs> with us. It is just so much better when we can freely talk about the foreshadowing, the lore building for the entire series rather than just book by book. However, do not worry if you have not read Sarah J. Mass's other book series, Throne of Glass and or Crescent City. On our Akatar deep dives, those will be spoiler free for the other Mass First worlds, except we will have occasional Mass First sections at the end of the episode. It will only be at the end of the episode where we promise to give a major huge spoiler warning and that's when we'll talk about all the crossovers and all that kind of stuff. We are releasing our Akatar intro episode on February 22nd where we will discuss in detail how the format and the spoilers and everything are going to work so you know exactly what to expect before we head into it on Monday Wow, I am getting chills. The 26th of February. Thank you as always to our executive producer, Hayden, aka our sanity manager. We wouldn't be here without you, my guy. (laughs) We really wouldn't be. If you want more Fantasy Fangirls content and community, please go ahead and join the Patreon party. We are thrilled to now be eligible for annual memberships. So if you know you're sticking around through Akatar, become an annual Patreon member and get a few months for free. And hey, you know the drill. If you aren't following us on Instagram and TikTok, what are you doing? Give us a follow at Fantasy Fangirls Pod. Also, do not forget to take a second to rate and review the show. It takes two seconds to hit that five-star button on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. 
Amazon or hit the like and subscribe button on our good friend YouTube. Also friends, if you have been in a group chat with your friends about what the freaking heck Violet's second signet <laughs> is and you guys have been battling to the death in the blue text bubbles with your friends, then this is your opportunity to send them a comprehensive list so you can continue bashing about 20 different signets now and then rank your top three. And hey, if your friends are like, oh my gosh, I am not a podcast person. That is way too much podcast content to consume. Hey, this is a much shorter, easier episode for them to digest so that they can still relish in the fantasy fangirls theories without having to listen to 50 hours of us. Much shorter. This is our shortest episode. And it's two hours long of recording, at least by right now. It'll be shorter with editing. Sweet friends, we will see you in Prithian. All right, we love you. We love the Empyrean. We love you, Rebecca Yaris. We love every single one of you in this community. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> Bye-bye for now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go take off on my dragon now. Okay, ready, Nicole? We're going to go. Ready? Whoosh. Three, two. Oh, Whoosh. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right behind you. <laughs>